Hey everybody, thank you for joining me on another episode of uh, La Onda. I appreciate you guys uh, listening and taking the time to uh, listen to uh, this little conversation. Today I'm uh, lucky enough to be on location at uh, Kunstler Brewery with uh, Vera and Brent. How do you pronounce your last name? I keep wanting to say in my mind Descartes, but is it Deckard? Sure. Oh, you know what? Hold on. You guys are still muted. Go for it. Sure. Any way you want to pronounce it, uh, Deckard is fine. Okay, cool. I just don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> uh, but guys, thank you for making the time. Uh, I do appreciate it. Um, I love what you guys do. I've discovered you, you know, a few years back, and uh, by word of mouth, and what's coming in, and experiencing what you guys are doing with uh, beers as well as food. Um, I love both of it. I love all of it. Uh, tell me a little bit about the inception of a uh, of the brewery. How, how did this even become an idea and a thing? Yeah, it started a while ago when Brent and I met. Probably, well, when was that? <laughs> 98. <laughs> so um, we both worked at a brewery, and Brent was really an avid home brewer. Uh, I didn't even know such a thing existed. So I just kind of looked at it like, oh, you know, somebody's trying to make booze in their garage. Mm-hmm. And I didn't give it much thought. Yeah. And um, he'd get together with his buddies and he'd brew and try to make me taste it. And I was just kind of developing a beer palette. I had more of a wine palette. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was always like, oh, gosh, okay, I got to taste this again. Oh, it's great, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day he brewed a, um, I think it was an oatmeal stout or oatmeal porter. And I tasted it, and I was like, wow, this is fantastic. You can make this. This is really, really cool. You know. And then he kind of experimented with some other styles, milk stouts and stuff. And they really appealed to me, and they also appealed to my young beer palate that I was developing. Um, and so fast forward, Brent kind of continued homebrewing here and there whenever he ran into somebody that was also interested, you know, during our, we lived in California and we moved to Texas. Uh, and at some point he was deployed to Afghanistan for about six months. Okay. Um, and um, they had told me before, you know, the, the military does this debriefing and they try to help the family get through it. And they said to me, you know, the best thing that you could do is learn something new. And I was like, well, shoot, you know, what's left to learn? I, I love to cook, I speak languages, you know what? And I could never really wrap my brain around, you know, what do I really want to learn? You know, meanwhile, he's gone for six months and somewhere in the middle of it, I was listening to a um, podcast by Splendid Table and uh, they were interviewing a couple that had brought out this um, book on homebrewing and homebrewing in small batches which I thought, well, this is great because I remember him brewing like five gallons and it seemed insane to me, you know, Mm -hmm. lugging all these pails of water and lots of heavy boiling water. And I'm like, this is great. He can do this on the stovetop. You know, I'll get this book and I'll send it to him uh, in Afghanistan. So I ordered the book. The book arrived and I opened it to inscribe it and I started reading it. And I read on, and I spent the whole night reading it, and I had a big old shopping list. <laughs> and the next morning, you know, I could barely wait for the homebrew store to open. You know, wow. I ran yeah. over to the homebrew store, got the ingredients. I called my son, Ethan, who coincidentally is my assistant brewer now. Nice. I'm like, hey, Ethan, we're brewing. I think he thought we we're brewing coffee or something. <laughs> <laughs> he was super excited uh, came when he figured out, okay, we're actually going to brew beer. Brewed our first two-gallon batch. Uh, it turned out like absolute crap. 
<laughs> we dumped it, but you know, the lucky thing was I, I knew what the mistake was, so I brewed another batch. It didn't work out, and at that point, I, I was like, okay, I, I know, I think I got this, and I actually brewed a five-gallon batch, and it turned out fantastic. Awesome. We had a kegerator, I kegged it, put it in the kegerator, and um, brewed another batch, and by the time Brent came home, he had 10 gallons of beer, and a book that I don't think he ever read the book. <laughs> so you never even got I the book initially. The book. <laughs> That's funny, man. But what a welcome, you know, to come back home to a nice little welcome gift of gallons of uh, gallons of brew. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah. And then uh, fast forward to 2014 is when uh, the house was just covered in brew equipment, and we were brewing every <laughs> every weekend. She wanted to brew, and it was always podcasts and brewing, and this and just. Everything was brewing, yeah. And that's when the decision was made to let's put a business plan together and let's figure out what we want to do. Sure, yeah, yeah. And that so, was the inception of uh, Kunstler. That's yeah. awesome. It was kind of a, a challenge. Brent literally came home one day and he's like, "I had Erlenmeyer flasks and microscopes," and he's like, "You know, this is like Breaking Bad <laughs> without <laughs> and, the profit." Yeah, yeah, without the profit. Yeah. So he's <laughs> like, "You know, you, maybe you you either need to." Because we kind of talked about going pro, um, but I didn't move on it, and so you know now the challenge was there of you know either you need to tone it back a little bit because our house is small, mm-hmm. or just go pro. You know, you, you make great beer, so go pro. Yeah, and, and yeah. Sometimes you have that feeling, you know, like, hey, this is actually, I think we could do something with this. So yeah. that's awesome that you guys went with it because yeah. it's, it's turned out great. You know, it really has. Thank you. Um, what's interesting is one that you mentioned is that one of the things that really caught your palate was something like, it was the stout? Or yeah. The, yeah. Usually yeah. those something that's a little heavier and people that don't drink beer initially might not be turned on to that right away. But it's interesting. They do have a lot of flavors. You know, they, they definitely do. have a lot yeah. of coffee, those roasted, you know, very, I mean, it's very intricate. And I guess someone that has a food background can kind mm-hmm. of pick up on those little things. And it's not just beer. It's like, oh, well, there's something here, you know. Right, there's right. some effort in, you know, different flavors. Yeah. I think it's a lot softer than, like, a lager and stuff like that. I think lagers um, are generally less approachable unless you're already a beer drinker. Yeah, you know I think what, things right. that, are, that are kind of like a stout, and not necessarily like a dry stout like a Guinness, but like a oatmeal porter or mm-hmm. oatmeal stouts, um, milk stouts, stuff like that are, are pretty approachable you're as right, far yeah. as flavor goes for for a variety of palates. Yeah, because they're not really as bitter. You know, they have usually mm-hmm. kind of sweet notes yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. One of the things that I try to teach our staff, you know, obviously we get, we consider ourselves to be a neighborhood brew pub. So we get mm-hmm. people with all kinds of uh, beer drinking backgrounds, you know. So sometimes we'll have somebody come in who is a Bud Light drinker. And mm-hmm. rather than trying to match a Bud Light, which we're never going to be able to, mm-hmm. um, just because we don't brew that light of beer, you know, get them into something bold that's on the opposite end of the spectrum and have them think chocolate, coffee, mm-hmm. you know, round flavors, grain, you know, um, breakfast grain flavors. Mm-hmm. And then they're not trying to compare to a Bud Light or a Dos Equis. They're like, oh, yeah, I like chocolate. I like coffee. You know, I like yeah. these vanilla flavors. True, yeah. Or give them our Puro South Town. Or give them the Puro South Town. <laughs> uh, what's that? It's a Mexican lager. Okay, right so, on. Yeah, that'll fit the bill yep, for that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because we play definitely, I mean, even my parents, when I try to, you know, give them something a little different, it's, you know, they're they're kind of stuck to what they're, you know, yep. they, they know what they like and they, they enjoy what they like. So they, they definitely have appreciated me trying to uh, open up their palates a little bit. But um, I think it really just shows for a lot of people that want to 
you know, find something more than just the average. You know, I think, and that's something that I think appeals to a lot of people nowadays is someone that's taking more time to create something, whether it's food or drink or anything like that. And I think you guys, it shows you guys put the care into it. And I love y'all's uh, right on the instruments. There says uh, etro meat. How do you how do you pronounce how do you say the back part of it? I know I say echo because that's made yeah, in Spanish, but good because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, echo mit liebe. Mit which means made with love. Correct. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's a cool little um, representation of even just San Antonio, like just a combination of cultures and that, things like that. So I, I love that y'all did that, which is very cool. Absolutely. Well, and yeah. San Antonio has such a huge heritage of both German it and, does. and Hispanic um, cultures, and so. The mashup of the two was just perfect. It's very perfect, yeah. I mean, they have such a rich history together from from the food to the music. Like, you wouldn't have a lot of, like, the, you know, Flaco Jimenez's and all the people that do the accordion and all the uh, polkas and stuff like that without the German, you know, influence, right. which is, which I love all that stuff. So it really does, I appreciate it very much so. And, uh, yeah, there's just so much rich heritage to it. Yeah. Um, but, guys, tell me, what did y'all do before you, obviously, I mean, you said you were to, I heard you were deployed, you know, before, so you were in the military. Yep, uh, what still am. I'm going to retire August 1st. Oh, Ooh. nice. There you go. Congrats, man. What branch of the military are you in, sir? Uh, Air Force. Air Force. Yeah, awesome. That's all, you're on your way. Yep, almost yeah, finished. Right on, right on. Is that why you weren't uh, here recently? I know uh, Vera told me she was waiting for you to come back into town. No, um, I'm a I'm a reservist for the Air Force, and okay. then uh, my full-time job is uh, I fly for FedEx. Oh, okay, cool. So you fly the planes for FedEx? That's yep. awesome. Very cool. So you're why my Patrick, Patrick was, package was late. No, that was ground. <laughs> oh, oh, gotcha. That was ground. Vito, <laughs> uh, how about yourself? Um, um, I kind of did many things, um, but the main thing was always being in the service industry. Um, when we met, we, we lived in Calistoga, which is Napa Valley uh, out in California. Um, I really you know, discovered a passion for, for wines. Um, I discovered that I had a palate for food and for wine, and so that was kind of my focus. I enjoyed that, but you know, it, it's also something that got the bills paid, and there was only so long that I wanted to work as a server in the industry, and so then there came a time in Brent's career where he turned to me and said, okay, what is it that you really want to do? And at the time, I thought I really wanted to be a firefighter. So I went that route. I got my medic training. Um, I did that for a few years uh, because in California, in order to be a firefighter, you need to be a medic. And then what kind of fell in place prior to that was a supervisor medic position. And then just when I was getting ready to get my firefighting position in Napa, we decided to move to San Antonio. Um, and, you know, that was initially I thought in San Antonio I, I might take that up again, uh, but more on a teaching level, teach advanced life support, pediatric mm -hmm. life support, all those things. But it never happened because I really kind of enjoyed being at home. Our kids were uh, at an age where, you know, they were like early teens and it felt like an age where it was important for me to be at home and around them and supportive of their um, athletics and things like that. Oh, that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Um, so what brought what prompted to move to San Antonio? Military. Military. So uh, um, I, I've been a reservist my whole career, but there was an opportunity to come and work at uh, Kelly for the 433rd uh, in the training squadron there. 356 okay. is where I've been since 2007. Gotcha. Um, teaching 
C5s, basically taking guys up and flying around the pattern. So cool. when you see those things flying around, the big C5, that's that that's us. That's cool. Right so on. that opportunity presented itself, and the cost of living in Texas is so much less than California that we were literally able, Vera was able to stay home, yeah. whereas before in California, it just it required two-income household. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So that's a definitely- great opportunity. It really is, and that's a plus definitely for the family. I know right now my wife is, has a, you know the privilege of being able to stay at home with our kids, and I, I really very much enjoy it. You know, it takes a little more financial, you know, you know, being uh, careful with your finances. Mm-hmm. But I think it really pays forward, and you know, my kids very much enjoy it. I don't think they'd want it any other way. Yeah. Um, so before that, had you all been to San Antonio? Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I did pilot training in Del Rio. Okay. Um, and so then our pilgrimages were always to. Uh, to San Antonio, and actually, we always we came to a, a Central Market so that we could get <laughs> Sierra Nevada. There you go, yeah, cause because there was not many places you can out find west it. that, as far as like craft beer, yeah. Out in, uh, and this was uh, uh, 2000, and so there was just you know, of course, there was no craft craft mm-hmm. beer really, no, um, and certainly not out on the border. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. were only getting get light loggers of some sort. So uh, we would come in here and. Get our uh, Sierra Nevada pale ales. So oh, every, you awesome. know, every couple of weeks we'd come in and make a haul. Yeah, and very cool, man. You got to get it where you can. Yeah, because uh, you're right. I mean, it's very recent where I think you've ever you see it more prevalent in everywhere. You know, yeah. like, even still now, there's some HEBs that don't don't even carry maybe one or two different craft beers, but right. they still don't have a huge selection. Uh, as far as what you guys make, do you guys? Um, I've seen you guys have uh, like features at places like uh, Adagrill and maybe like Big Hops, but mm-hmm. do you guys do distribute any like? cans and stuff to any stores not at this point no so no cans um we do kegs yeah uh and and the reason is we have a small system our vision was always to be able to sell whatever we make through our own taps Mm -hmm. um that seems to be the most efficient for what we want it to do at the time um and then you know if there's a little extra we like we like distributing that to other bars and restaurants um in the area just because i feel you know makes us be a part of the community sure it gets people to because we're kind of stuck out here and well we were kind of stuck out here in the middle of nowhere you know Mm -hmm. and so it kind of gets us noticed you know who's Kunstler what where are they wow we have another brewery in San Antonio that's Mm -hmm. fantastic you know yeah and this is a nice little location I mean is there anything in particular that made you choose this location because it's still kind of in a tight little community I mean obviously it's been growing available there you go (laughs) we spent almost two years just trying to get the right property situation Gotcha. So we've gone through several contracts where it just didn't work out and stuff like that. And this uh, this building came for sale. Mm-hmm. And Vera had seen it probably a year prior and uh, told our real estate agent, absolutely not. And then it came back on the market and our agent brought her here and she basically turned around and left again. Really? <laughs> and then uh, and then talked to our uh, and then talked to our our contract manager who was kind of our uh, not you know, our construction manager who kind of was guiding us through like, yeah, that property will work, that property won't work, those kind of um, situations, whether it be power, water, different things like that. Mm-hmm. And and so Vera asked him about it and he's like, he came out here and he's like, oh, I can see the potential. Mm-hmm. And so Vera's like, really? It was yeah. a crazy thing because I literally had said in my mind, because his name was Star, um, and every property that we showed Star, he that we were excited about, he'd always be like, no, 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 no. So then La Chapelle came up, and uh, I was just like, okay, I'm looking at this for the third time now. I'm going to take Star, 
And if Star says it's a go, then we're going to do it. And I was kind of like, ha, ha, ha. He's never going to say Yeah, he's already got a reputation. <laughs> yeah, sure enough, he, he stands out here where we have that, well, right here where we're sitting right now in the sports hall. And we have this beautiful loading dock with the big windows. And mm -hmm. he's looking over to the patio. And, I mean, it was all disintegrated. You can see pictures on Facebook. It, it was a disaster. And he's like, hmm. Yeah, I'm like, right? It's a piece of crap, right? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, you know, I see people sitting on the patio and look at over there. I see like you could probably have the longest bar in San, San Antonio. I see people just kind of enjoying the sun, flowers. Wow. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a visionary, you know, to have yeah, seen something that, uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen the pictures of what it looked like prior, but, you know, I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, what was this building prior to it being a brewery? Do you know? They re, um, refurbished the recycled uh, or recycled the pads that go under carpet foam. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they bundled it. They had a big press in the front, and they bundled it and shipped and it off. So it. like, so all the hotels and stuff, uh, the contractors would bring all the remnants and all the leftover carpet and foam, and then they would they would bundle it, press it, and it would get reused and not recycled. Yeah, who knows where the, what it, what it, where it went or what what happened with it? So yeah, I mean, it was probably. Even once in a while now, we'll see somebody drive by with a load of foam. <laughs> like, when are still doing it? it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, uh, the previous owners actually built this building. Um, and so we were, we're actually the second owners of this building. So it was built in, I think, 76. And then the same family owned it until we bought it. Wow, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine who used to work, uh, he used to help distribute produce. His family's business is called like Fernandez Produce. And he was like, oh, yeah, I kind of know the area. I didn't know there was a brewery there. There used to be a lot of just old warehouses, you know, old yep. family owned warehouses. So it's cool that you guys were able to capitalize on this. Yep. Uh, initially, what made you not want to go with the property? Just the condition that it was in at the moment? Yeah, I didn't. Well, first of all, I didn't have the vision for this area of Southtown. Mm -hmm. Nothing had started here. Uh, there was a Dorchell down the road with a, a little brewery inside, but they were down the road, and I felt they were like better connected um, uh, because they were on South Flores mm -hmm. than us being very close to a dead end in almost you know half residential, half just warehouse. Yeah. So I I didn't. You know, although I always, I believed that um, if you open a craft brewery, craft beer drinkers will find you and follow you. But we also didn't have a very big craft beer community. No. So yeah. that, at that time, so that was kind of scary. Um, and then, you know, the condition of the building, I mean, it just like, it, it was like a lot of work. And even there, we were kind of optimistic. We thought it would take us, you know, maybe six months to clean everything up, rebuild and stuff. But it took us a long time and a lot of work. And just when we had one, you know, fixing one problem led into another problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so there were all those misgivings. And, you know, when we were ready to open, there was that fear of like, you know, okay, who's going to find us? Mm -hmm. How are people going to find us? You know, parking is a bit of a, a challenge and people don't always... And when you're used to going to places that are in strip malls, parking is easy. You don't have to walk very far. And it does feel kind of weird when you come into a strange neighborhood and, mm -hmm. oh, they don't have any parking. Okay, where do I park? Okay, you know, you might have to walk a block sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just, it's all, it's an adjustment. Which is still no farther than the back of the Home Depot parking lot. It's just not that. <laughs> no, right? yeah. I mean, if you park on one of the side streets on Simon or whatever, you're actually closer than you would be. It's just that you're parallel parking versus parking yeah, in a... Like way in out in front of it. Yeah. yeah, instead of designated parking spot. Um, so, I mean, that's the challenge. But, you know, if you go to any major city, if you're in 
uh, Austin, here, anywhere, downtown businesses rarely have mm-hmm. parking. Yeah, no, that's right? true. I mean, they would just they don't downtown businesses just don't have parking because it's just it, yeah. it's not available. It's you not really the real estate. A, you know, yeah. you got to go to a strip center if you want if you want like parking. convenient parking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or well, you're in a parking garage, right? Even mm-hmm. if you're in a downtown location, you're in a parking garage. So. And paying like five, ten bucks or yeah. something. Yeah. So, I mean, that really isn't that much of a deterrent for me. Last night, though, I did come, and it was crazy. It was that, you know, oh, I went, yeah. came for the last night of lobster roll, which I heard. It was a, a sad lobster, or a sad day in the day of lobsters. So yeah. Tuesday was always our lobster special. Um, and it just, I mean, industry is, after the pandemic, there are a lot of industries that are changing or struggling. Yeah. And it just so happens that there's not a lot of lobster out there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of lobster. There's not a lot of labor to get the yeah, lobster. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, there are other uh, businesses that have contracts, you know, think Red Lobster, places yeah. like that. But we're not able to get something like that. We're too tiny. And so, you know, the thing is, we, we could probably get lobster, but we can't get it at a price that is comfortable, you know, just yeah. overall comfortable for our consumers or customers. And so it's just like, we're going to take a break. But then, you know, you put a post out on social media, like, hey, guys, sorry, you know, for a while, this is going to be the last lobster day. And everybody's like, they create a frenzy. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Which wasn't as, it wasn't, I mean, it was a nice byproduct, but in no means was it the... The, the plan I mean we'd yeah. love to continue to to do lobster roll but I mean it's going up by five to ten dollars a pound wow. per order yeah. so we're now I think it was over forty dollars a pound for lobster wow yeah. and people don't understand that you know I mean as a consumer you look you buy yourself a sandwich and it's just like holy smokes it's like twenty eight dollars is it you know but that's what the restaurant has to do and mm-hmm. you know in order to get by and we were kind of um, I mean, we were selling lobster rolls at cost, and mm-hmm. the reason that we did it was because our Tuesdays were slow, and, gotcha. and this was a way to, to um, this was a way to ramp up um, our our Tuesday business. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry about the. No, it's okay. That's all part of being in a brewery, yeah, I guess. That's fair enough. Noise in the background. That's fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it's. it's that's kind of what I figured. You know, I, f- I saw you guys posted the post, and I figured if y'all were playing, it probably would have been better or maybe uh, marketed that, hey, we're going to do it next week, last week. But I figured that it was almost like a spur-of-the-moment thing that yeah. you guys had to, hey, you know what, I don't think it's going to be f- right. cost-effective for us. Because we struggled to get it this week, and then it was like, oh, man. You know, it's just like, and the worst thing is when people come, and they're super excited. They bring their friends, and you're like, oh, sorry, we don't have any. You yeah. know? So it's just like, okay, we're going to have to give people a notice. Yeah, here. no, that's yeah. good. I mean, I honestly had been telling my friends about it because, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go interview these guys. They have great lobster rolls. and like, what lobster rolls? You know, can get that in San Antonio, but now I'm going to have to be like, hey, you know what? I, what everything I told you about those lobster rolls, you're going to have to wait maybe a little while. Yeah. yeah. But um, they were definitely amazing. You guys did a great job with them. Thank and, you. And, you know, it is you know, it is a shame. I, I, I think it's an industry just like every other industry right now after the pandemic is trying to, you know, get workers back mm-hmm. to help, you know, continue this, you know, uh, you know, just the cycle of getting things out and people that people need, you know. And, right. I, I saw you guys have a sign out front that you're also looking for cooks and wait staff. Are you guys yeah. also having an issue with uh, just having people 
So that's sale. like it's an overall industry problem because you know when you when you need help, you, of course you reach out to your buddies in the industry, and everybody is like, man, it's just it's impossible to get help right like now. Like they're in the same it boat. Really is, yeah. 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 And so you know, I mean, we are never really overstaffed, but we're in a situation now where um, it's not that we're losing people, but we're getting busier and busier. People are coming out, they're getting vaccinated, they're comfortable to come out. Mm-hmm. People want to eat, they're excited to be out, mm-hmm. and so business is like ramping up so we need additional people yeah. and you know in the meantime you have other things internally that are going on you know super exciting our chef is having a baby so he wants oh, to go away awesome. and take a break yeah. you know which is understandable but it kind of leaves you in a place where it's just like alright it's going to take a little longer for food to come out you know but we yeah. could definitely use some help yeah sure. no, that's understandable I've talked to the other day I was having a conversation with uh Chef Colin from Attaboy, because you know I was yeah. having some some things that I wanted to bring up to him as far as feedback on some of the the meals I was getting, and he was like, "Yeah, you know what? It's really just us having a hard time keeping staff and hiring staff, and yep. then the you know that to keep us going at our you know consistent levels that we were, you know, and it, right. I can understand that being hard. Well, so the, could, uh, the, you know the oh yeah, one second. Sorry, sorry, I cut you down when you walked away. That's right. Um, you know the big challenge that we're having is that that's a one size fits all. So. Not every state is as opened up as Texas is, mm-hmm. but the r- rules are the same for all states, which is uh, is allowing a lot of people that maybe made about what they're making are now able to be on unemployment. Mm-hmm. And with that and the, and the additional stimulus, they're choosing to not go back to work. Yeah. And then, you know, we have people say, well, then you just need to, you need to pay them more. The challenge that you have with that is, uh, yeah, of course, we'd love to pay everybody more, but... If we pay them, and we pay well above uh, minimum wage or anything close to that, so um, that's not the challenge. But the challenge really runs into the fact that at some point you will have to raise prices. Mm-hmm. So when you used to pay, I always said inflation is based on the price of beer. So go to California, and you'll find that you're going to pay seven or eight dollars for a pint of beer. And in Texas, you're still paying, you know, depending on what kind of beer you're getting. Uh, you you can you know here most of our beers are about six dollars mm-hmm. so I mean that's a significant increase but that's because the labor force rents everything costs yeah. so much more and so you know businesses still have to make money and so they're going to raise their prices and then it's gonna for that for that same person it's now going to cost them more to get beer or food or you know or anything else because it's just a function of how it works. Yeah, I mean, it's a vicious cycle in that yep. sense that, you know, like you said, all industries, I think, would love to pay their workers, you know, a better wage. But what is that going to cost the consumer? And at that point, what is the consumer? How, is they, how are they going to feel about the business? But I think... I mean, we you do know, our, you know, we're hard. all doing our best. So. We all, we're all doing our best, man. So, you know, <laughs> I appreciate you guys it. are still out here and really, you know, knocking it out of the park as far as I can say or see, you I know, still it. still doing it now. So thank you guys for still trying. Um, during the pandemic, I'm sure that was quite a bit of a change for you guys as far as, you know, what, you know, just it wasn't business as usual anymore, you know, oh, come yeah. March, April, all that. Um, did you? How long were you, were you guys closed at all? Yeah, yeah. So we were closed uh, off and on. It seems like it's hard. Well, to... we were never. We were. We were always open. We we were able to do takeout. Um, we really did well. Uh, Vera had prepared well ahead of time for for it coming this way. We were already in the in the process of expanding our kitchen before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that those steps had already been put in place. So it was lucky for us that we were already kind of headed that way. And so. When um, 
when it did hit, we had already we already had our app, our online model was already ready to go, and so as soon nice. as we couldn't be open anymore, people could go directly to our website and order food, and uh, and then come and pick it up. And then of course, with the governor uh, adjusting the, you know the the offsite sales of alcohol and stuff like that has had helped us. We could always sell to go, mm-hmm. so that didn't. I mean, it wasn't a big deal for us, but it was a big deal for a lot of places that didn't the industry have, as a whole, right? Yeah. For, yeah. That didn't have like if you were a. You know, if you were a BJ's or whatever, you couldn't sell mm-hmm. alcohol to go, if you will. But because of our, our retail, you know, our retail permit, we were able to, to do that even so. So the only time it got really a little bit dicey is when certain styles of industries were allowed to reopen that were still within the same categories. Mm-hmm. And people were tired of just getting stuff to go. Yeah. And so we saw a pretty good downturn, but that got fixed pretty quickly. So, oh, that's good. Uh, you know, Texas is lucky. We've, we've done a good job at, at hope trying to keep businesses open. I feel. Yeah. I think it was, they're a decent model for, I think for what, you know, I think has been done. You know, I think we tried as much as, you know, what didn't what we could. And I think they're also, at least as a state still allow the freedom for a lot of these businesses to businesses and people, you know, the people in the communities to make their own decisions yep. and at least at, leave it to them you know not make it a mandate so that they have to follow by certain rules that are that they see are the the proper protocols yep. yeah. um what do you guys feel is what, what does brewing beer mean to you guys like I, you obviously do it as a, as you know your means of finance of uh, you know making money but i mean what, do, what why did you start why do you keep doing it and what does it really mean to you to brew to brew beer yeah it's um it's the satisfaction of, you know, watching this, you know, you start with the, the grain and the yeast and the hops, you know, and you just kind of, it's funny, on, on the weekend I'll come in and I'll, I'll want to check on the beers that were brewed during the week and I always tell the staff I'm going to go in the back check on the kids, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it really is, it's like nurturing a kid um, all the way through maturity and then, um, you know, having this product and, you know, you know you like the product, but the amazing thing is that when you then actually see it out on the table and you see, you know, your consumer, you see local people, tourists, you know, they're enjoying this mm-hmm. and, um, you know, as we don't have any TVs in the tavern, something important to me because to me it's all about the, the stories and the memories that you build when you're sitting at the table enjoying this beer or this fantastic meal. Mm-hmm. The ambiance, you know, I think our servers are absolutely amazing. Um, it just it just creates memories. And to have this beer be a part of the memory um, is probably the most satisfaction satisfactory thing in the process. And that's awesome to hear, you know, because I think that's a big part of, you know, I think the, the history of beer is, you know, the community and bringing people together and, you know, allowing conversation and communication to happen and maybe bringing down the barriers some people might have that might be opposed to conversation right away and yeah. you know allowing that back and forth to really happen so yeah we do like in, in addition to that you know because there are barriers in conversation sometime you know people might come here on their first date and they don't quite know what to talk about yeah. right so each beer has a story you know so you can just kind of read the story and make fun of the story or have fun with the story yeah. you know or you learn something so it's just all it's like all these little great lead-ins that mm-hmm. we have yeah very true um Brent, what about yourself do you have any, you know, anything that keeps you motivated and participating in, you know, just the Kunstler Brewery? Oh, I mean, 
obviously it's our baby, our, yeah. our last baby, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I, I think it's just a, it's a function of uh, all of our work and effort, and it was a design that we wanted it to be a community place um, that people could come and gather over, a, you know, some food, a, a good pint of beer. Or a glass of wine. Or a glass of wine or whatever, and, and be a, kind of a local instead of a... You know, instead of an, another franchise or another, you know, an, another strip mall joint that that doesn't, we wanted a community place, and we we actively participate in uh, so many uh, community events um, during the, I mean, during the during the pand or during our freeze, um, we gave away uh, almost a thousand gallons of water in five gallon increments basically to wow. people that that had didn't have any water yeah. you know so that That's was awesome. one of the things that we could provide for the community um we do a lot of charity work um cannoli fund black lives matter we've we've participated in uh boys and girls club the wildfires money, in california wildfires in california the uh the uh, what was it the the servers um uh, oh yeah, all together, all together, service industry helping during it. the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, that's that's really kind of a big, a big thing that spurs on the continuation of, of this, of this process is just being, you know, being involved in the community and and, and you know enjoying, watching my wife enjoy what she does. Yeah, nice. But, and it goes also to you know I I never thought you know I mean I always knew that I would be able to provide jobs to people, <clears throat> but I look at it now like. You know, we we have 25 families literally working for us, you know, and that's pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, no, that to is. be able to provide something to take care of 25 families. You know, mm-hmm. they're all individuals. They they all bring different talents to the table, and just it's fantastic. Yeah. There's a lot of satisfaction in that. I can only imagine that's awesome that you guys can do that, and I'm sure they're all very appreciative of it as well. Um, you guys are both, you mentioned you came from California. Is that home to both of y'all? Um, Germany is home for me. I was okay. born and raised. Uh, my family is still there, so I'm not a military brat or anything. Gotcha. As, yeah. Gotcha. Brent's Californian. Yep. I uh, was born and raised in California until uh, we came here in 2007. Nice. Now, I know you guys mentioned that uh, what kind of appeal to y'all here is just the lower cost of living, but have you guys found more that you really enjoy about San Antonio that's keeping you here besides just the cost of living and besides just obviously you guys started the business here but I really you know thinking back as what San Antonio was back when we were here the first time 1999 2000 um, yeah um, to to now it's just absolutely amazing how far it's come with the arts community and you know with the food scene mm-hmm. and people are so colorful here it doesn't matter where you go it's this relaxed nice feeling friendly um yeah um it's it's just it's laid back um i i actually kind of like the weather here <laughs> you get used to sweating <laughs> at least three months <laughs> out of the year to wear shorts you know <laughs> yeah. year round year yeah. round exactly uh, I think it's also, you know, there's been some great developments started from uh, many previous mayors working on um, outdoor activities in, in town. You know, obviously growing up in California, there's outdoors just part of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, everything from water skiing, snow skiing, the beach, everything's available there. Here, you kind of have to, you got to figure out how to how to manage and how to create those out, outdoor environments that don't 
necessarily exist. So that full, the full addition of the Riverwalk, you know, the ex, the river expansion. Yeah, that was very um, nice. The continuation of the loops. Um, I think San Antonio is a fantastic mm-hmm. biking community. Mm-hmm. I think our bike lanes still need work. But they do. They do. <laughs> they're they're slowly but surely, and and really, uh, it's not even just the work on the bike lanes. It's the uh, educating the public as to uh, like bikes drivers. right away. Yeah, yeah exactly. That uh, they have a right to the road as well, so I mean I, I see the development of all of that. Yanaguana Gardens, oh, that's the a beautiful little place, yeah. Right? I mean, just some some great downtown revitalization that's happened. We moved downtown from Alamo Ranch in 2012 mm-hmm. um, because we found ourselves on the weekends constantly coming downtown versus staying out, you yeah, know, out, out of town. So, or basically, you know, out of town. For anywhere else in the world, twenty miles is another town. Yeah, no, San Antonio's definitely got its uh, its charm like that. Where it's you're still in San Antonio, twenty yep. miles out, yep. and it's almost it's definitely a little different. I can see why maybe you gravitated towards everything going on down here because I think there was just so much growth here, so much development. Where as much as Alamo Ranch is growing and developing out there, I still feel that there's a lot of you know I guess chains and things like that that kind of anchor a lot of those you know shopping centers and developments and things like that. And not, nothing against them, but I think there's just a different charm to someone that's home growing something and really that's trying to create something that's their own. You know. And down here, there's just there's still room to not be a part of a of a you know of a big development. Yeah. Right. You can. There's so many independent businesses down here. There is. That are. You know. I mean, just in the brewing industry, um, we. You know. Uh, back and turned. Um, Mad. Roadmap. Roadmap. Yeah. All. Mad I mean, Pecker. Mad Pecker. All of the. Um, Dorchel down at the end of the street. Yeah. Dorchel and High Wheel at the end of the street. Um, Black Labs. All these guys. I mean, just Free so many. So many. Um, independent small places like last night we had uh, we had dinner at uh, the Dakota which is uh, it's a like a Dakota ice house it used to be an old like convenience store really and it's on basically South Hackberry and, and Dakota on on the east side yeah, I've never, I've, like honestly I've never heard of it and haven't it, been there what did y'all think oh it's, it's really cool they have yeah. uh, they have a great selection of craft beer um the you know the the counter is an old is an old bowling uh, alley. Oh wow! And stuff like that. It's just it, it's charming. It's, it's got cool. its own charm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's just again, it's just like it's out there by itself. Yeah. Uh, so. What what places do you guys like to frequent in San Antonio that are y'all's favorites? Oh man. Oh, there's uh, any. Where do you where I do mean, you start? Yeah. I mean, we used Something to we can be, bike to. We we used <laughs> to be avid Liberty Bar goers, and but that was you know we we still love the Liberty Bar. And we hope that they open soon, um, but that that was you know there was not not much else available. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're talking about it. the old location. Yeah, this is like the the old location. Um, now you know there are so many. Yeah, obviously, we always like to visit the local breweries because you know those are our friends and we want to support them. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, I just had an amazing dinner at the General's Daughter. With my daughters, actually, <laughs> Brent wasn't a part of that, but um, little M's. Yeah, love little M's. Absolutely, I, you know. I just I. When you walk into a place, you can just see when somebody pours their passion mm-hmm. and their hard work into it, and you walk into little M's, and you just you know, you know. Um, all the empty stomachs. Yeah, all of the empty <laughs> stomachs, which is um, you know that's Hot Joy Barbaro. 
Little Death Wine, um, and we ha- Paper you know, Tiger. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what we look for. We're always kind of looking for these little independently owned places where you you know somebody poured their heart and soul into it. Yeah, and I think it you know it definitely shows in the product of what they're doing. Absolutely, and that's the thing that's you, know, you guys obviously see it. And I think someone who does that for yourselves and y'all are trying to create that in your own within here at Kunstlers, I think you you see that yeah. in other places. It's easier to, to see those things. Um, something that I was. Um, Man, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'll just talk well, about There could be a train food. coming by soon, then. There <laughs> <laughs> could be a train coming by. Um, yeah. I don't want to keep you guys too long. I mean, what time do you, do you have a hard out of time? Do you no, have to be out no, by we're now? Totally, we're here. Totally flexible. Okay, cool, cool. Um, one thing that I was going to ask was... Oh, you guys mentioned that you guys uh, you guys mentioned bikes a few times. Yep. Y'all both yeah. avid bi- bicyclists? Yep. Both of y'all? Okay. Yep. Right yeah. Um, what, where do y'all like to go right now? Obviously, you said we do story. a lot of the um, river extension. So from our house, we can loop about 25, 26 miles. Um, we've also ridden out to Cactus Land. They're open uh, the first and third. Uh, a, a brewery as a, well. A brewery as well. Um, and figure. is it at Atkins? Yep, Atkins, Atkins Texas. Atkins, Texas. Yeah. So yeah. we ride right out there. It's a 40-mile round trip. So 20 miles oh, wow. out, 20 miles back. It's Dang, fun. Look at, look at you it's guys. It's pretty cool. Oh, I, I, Coming Go back ahead. is always interesting after a couple of beers, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I was going to ask now I remember where my question was going is that you guys have mentioned a few other breweries in conversation. When you guys go there, I know you guys see them. You know they're obviously partaking in the same industry as you guys are. But do you guys see any competition in there? Do you guys look for what are these guys doing? What can how can we incorporate maybe some of those ideas into what we're doing at Kunstler's? You always it's like every time you go to a different brewery it's always a, a learning experience um as far as uh competition i don't feel that in san antonio i feel that everybody has kind of created their own niche mm-hmm. um roadmap is for example fantastic with their um they're always doing like these small batch releases which are really awesome they have great labels and their beer is fantastic um and their their um, tavern has uh, it's great to hang out. It just has a very different feel than our tavern, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I can go down each and every brewery. There's something you know really unique about them. So you know, no, I don't feel that we have a lot of competition amongst ourselves. And you know, kind of what brought that to light was when we were shut down during the pandemic. Everybody was in the same boat. Where think about the fact that you have like um, you brew for us. We brew a seven barrel batch at a time uh, and that is usually poured through the taps into pints you know and now all of a sudden well we can't sell pints on the street so we literally have had to take every single 16 ounce of those 220 gallons and put them in a can Mm. and we have a, a little canning machine crawler machine that really just does one beer at a time. Wow. And each beer takes about 45 seconds wow. to do. So, you know, so like everybody was dealing with this. is like we have, they're called crawler machines. You know, we all have our one crawler machine. And it seemed like everybody's crawler machine was breaking down at the same time. Wow. So we're all now, exchanging parts. We're all swat. And it's really? like the craziest, well, awesome. the craziest story was like we, the, we broke the handle off of ours, you know. So I'm running over. I call Dustin at Roadmap. He's like, yeah, I got an extra handle. So I Wow. run over there 
I pick up the handle and I'm on my way back and he calls me and he's like, Vera, I hate to tell you this, my handle just broke. I need that handle. Wow. (laughs) So, you know, we just, I think if anything, you know, that pandemic definitely brought us closer. And for me, it's always rewarding. I think usually on Mondays, I, one Monday I walked out and I felt like there was every brewer out of San Antonio sitting and having lunch with us. That's awesome. that's very great to hear that there's just a little tight-knit community. You guys are almost taking, you're taking care of each other. We are. Yeah, yeah that's very absolutely. good. You know? But whenever anybody asks me about the competition part, I'm like, do we have enough Mexican restaurants? Yet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, exactly. what is enough? Is, I yeah, mean, there does, is I, As long as it supports the community, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that don't drive across town. They go to their local. That's true. You know, they go to their local uh, Mexican restaurant or, or or their favorite Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Um, I have my favorites in each part of town, you know, exactly. depending on where I'm at. Yeah. Exactly. So it's not a, so it isn't, I don't think it's ever, this town supports couple million people and i don't think we're gonna run out of there's enough love know, to go around yeah, exactly and yeah. I, it's the same with like bars and and ice houses and stuff there's something for everybody yeah well, that's so, awesome and i don't think there's i don't think it'll ever get to a saturation point i mean if you look at um i think i think portland's still running per capita the most i think they have somewhere around a hundred breweries and brew pubs wow um just in Portland. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think we're in San Antonio, we're maybe pushing 15. So, I think we have a lot of room to yeah. a lot of room to go before we get anywhere close. Right. Nope. You go to Denver, just in one district, the Rhino district, I think maybe they have 15. You know, and so wow. yeah. that gives you an idea. Yeah, I feel that way with uh, a lot of the coffee shops in town. Like, I feel like there is the, there's just so many of them, but they're also just all over the place. So it kind yeah. of just caters to each community. You know, people are going to have work in each different part. of. I mean, there's so many, like you said, there's millions of people here. And right. there's no really sense of competition in the sense that they're all catering to a certain group of people that are in that little community. Right. I mean, it's the same to be said about, like, burgers. Yeah, Right. Sure. I mean, uh, and Texas loves their burgers. We, we love sure water do. burgers, stuff like that. But yet, you have companies like In-N-Out that yeah. are still killing it. They're killing it, right? yeah. There's plenty of people here that either, like, just want to try it or already love it from where they lived before. Yep. So, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a cool thing to see that San Antonio yep. definitely doesn't, you know, they don't pick and choose. They're definitely there to support the community and everyone that's trying to participate in it. And that's kind of what I... What I'm trying to find here is all those people that are doing so. And um, what what would you guys give as advice to anyone who's trying to start something for themselves, whether it be a brewery or just any, mm-hmm. you know, their own indi- ideas? You know? Triple the price. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> Whatever you think it is, double it and then double it again. Okay. Yeah. There's definitely truth to that. It's just like, you know, write your business plan. Um, find your mentors. And, you know, I know we all are individuals and we have our own ideas and, and often we think we know it all. Um, but there's to, something to be said to having good mentors, whether, you know, and that can be somebody in the industry, in addition to somebody who can mentor you in finances, you know, in addition to maybe somebody who is good at managing people, because that is a huge part of no, it all is. of this, right? There's a lot so of So find that. your mentors and yeah, have that business plan together. Have somebody else go over that business plan and then, you know, estimate how much how much it's gonna cost and like Brent says, triple that literally. And think about how much time you think it's gonna take you and double that. Well, that's very good advice, you know, I think for anyone that's trying to start something. Because sometimes I think you think, oh, is my product worth that much? Or is what I'm doing really gonna, are people gonna pay this much for my product? But you, I mean, you're putting the effort into it, and if it's like something that you're really pouring passion into, I think people will 
see that and taste that and be willing to participate in that you know if if you're really doing it from the heart yeah Yeah. and i think it's just a i think any business uh school anything you do in life the best thing you can ever do is just keep walking yeah. Right? Just, just keep, keep doing keep it. Keep yeah. going. Keep your yeah. feet moving. Keep keep moving forward. Yeah, because yeah. where would we? Where would y'all be now if you had stopped after your first batch that came exactly. out horrible? Yeah, or yeah. even the second one. Yeah, <laughs> or after the pandemic, or during the pandemic, you yeah. know, or when the build out became really painful. You know, I mean, where would we be? Right. So it's just like every day you put your boots on and you go keep one, moving. Yeah. one additional step. You yeah. know, and sometimes you go go back a couple of step, steps, but you know, you'll catch up eventually. Perfect. Well, folks, I think I'm all out of questions before I come to another awkward halt. <laughs> well, the train's right there. The train's already coming, so I think that'll be our uh, our ending for this. But I do really appreciate you guys sitting down for this. I know it uh, took a little bit of your time, but I do appreciate you all doing so. Uh, I'll send you guys a link of where you guys can catch this and share Perfect. it if you all like later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the people that are listening, where can they find you as far as your address, your Instagram, and that kind of stuff? Where are you all active on? So we're at uh, 302 East La Chapelle, um, corner of Apple White, really. Um, but if you find South Florist, you'll find us. Um, our Facebook, um, it's really, there's two different ways of spelling us, so you can't go wrong. Well, there's three different ways of spelling us, but it is... Um, two correct ways. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Kunstler Brewing, which is uh, K-U-E-N-S-T-L-E-R, Kunstler Brewing. We're the brewery that starts with a K, and I don't think there's another one No, I don't yet, think so. So you'll be able to find us that way. And we do have a, we have a, a Twitter, um, we have an Instagram and a Facebook. Uh, we're super active on Instagram and Facebook as far as every day there's an update as far as you know new releases, food specials, and things like that. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it, guys. And thank you very much. And y'all have a great rest of your day. Thanks, thank you, you too. Well. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. And thank you for doing this. Oh, no, thank I appreciate you. you. Thank you, guys. Thank mm-hmm. you. Bye-bye. Bye.